All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. You are so gracious to us and loving and kind. You have blessed us immensely. And for that, we're grateful. You blessed us today with sweet fellowship around the tables. You have blessed us with some delicious food. And we pray you'll use it to strengthen and nourish us. And today, as we continue our study of the book of Genesis, I pray that our eyes will be open to uh, the truth that you have for us today, that you will speak to us from your word. And Father, that we will uh, take it to heart and where there are things that we need to do, action items, I pray that we'll be faithful in doing that. And uh, we just thank you for the privilege of studying your precious word in complete freedom without any fear. As some in some places today would be fearful to gather in this kind of gathering, but we have no need to be afraid. For that, we're very, very thankful. So we pray now that you will speak to us as only you can do through your spirit from your precious word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, what we're going to do is start, uh, uh, we did a little bit of verses 4 through 9. And so I'm going to read those again, not going back to cover everything that we talked about last week. Else we definitely never will finish. But um, let me just give you a little a teaser today as far as modern interpretation of this passage of scripture. Uh, modern liberal apologists stand contrary to uh, the accepted traditional belief in the teaching of scripture in Genesis chapter 19. For over 2,000 years, there has been one interpretation of chapter 19, and that is that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was that of homosexuality. Uh, but modern liberal apologists who believe that um, homosexuality is not, a, is not a sin have reinterpreted the text, and this all really did not come into a being until late 60s, early 70s, and then it even didn't gather any momentum until probably the last decade, maybe decade and a half. So the modern interpretation is that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is not homosexuality. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah is breaking the laws of Middle Eastern hospitality. So um, you can think about that as we read today and see if you see that in the text. Uh, I'm not thinking that you will, but I just, you know, if you see it in the text, you let me know afterward and we'll talk about that. So, verse 4, before they had gone to bed, you know, the, the, the visiting angels are in Lot's home. He has served them, washed their feet, served them a meal, and they're preparing to go to bed. But verse 4 says, before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom. Now, Moses is very careful in choosing his words, always led by the Holy Spirit. And so he says, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. Now, that makes you shudder. They called to Lot. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Now, so some say the sin is not having sex with other men. It's violating hospitality. Uh, so I don't buy that, and I'm sure you don't either. 
Verse 6, Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and said, No, my friends, don't do this wicked thing. Now, verse 8, as a father of a daughter and a granddaughter, I can hardly get verse 8 out of my mouth, but I'm going to read it. Look, I have two daughters who have never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you and you can do what you like with them. But don't do anything to these men for they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they replied. This fellow came here as a foreigner. They're talking about what? This fellow came here as a foreigner and now he wants to play the judge. We'll talk about that in a minute because Lot just committed the most horrific sin of 2018, and that is being judgmental. I mean, that's the worst thing you can do, right? We'll treat you worse than them. They kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. But the men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Now this is when Lot realized who his visitors were. Verse 11, then they struck the men who were at the door of the house, young and old, with blindness so that they could not find the door. Verse 12, I really meant to stop at verse 9, but I'm going to go ahead and read a little more. The two men said to Lot, do you have anyone else here? That's angels speaking a lot. Sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you, get them out of here because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out back outside again and spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to marry his daughters. So when the text says all the men of Sodom from all over town, both young and old, gathered against the house, it included his future son-in-laws. So does your blood run colder? He said to his sons-in-law, future sons-in-law, hurry and get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy this city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. Now, I, I'm going to stop there. We'll get back to it in a minute. So the rest of this chapter, beginning with verse 4, just defies belief. The, sins, the sin of Sodom is dark indeed. And it's utter perversion. And so there is an attempted rape here. That's the intention of the men of Sodom against the visitors of Lot. This takes us to the depths of sexual violence in, in verses 4 and 5. So the the homosexual and bisexual men, including the two who were soon to be married to Lot's daughters, eagerly participated in the communal rape of, their, of these visitors. And that was their hope. That was their passion. That was their desire. Now, Moses carefully chose his words. All the men all over town, they're there howling for perverted satisfaction. Now, the picture we get of Lot is very distressing. If it were not for the New Testament text in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 9, 
our picture of Lot would be absolutely dismal. There just isn't much here to give us any um, any sense of Lot being a righteous man. But we read Second Peter two, and I, th- I know I've done this before, but we've got to get it in front of us, or we'll never understand Lot. Verse 4 of 2 Peter 2, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the laws. So we find Lot living in Sodom, his family being compromised, and yet it tells us in his heart he was very distressed by the depraved conduct of his neighbors. Verse 8, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. It's exactly what God did in this, in this text. So I'm very grateful for the enlightenment that we get from 2 Peter chapter 2 in regard to Lot. Lot is righteous saved, but badly flawed and badly compromised. And he paid a great price for it. And we're about to see the great price that Lot paid. Sodom has really captured him. Um, he's, he's torn. Um, the greater price is being paid by his family. The greater price is being paid by his family. What is it that captures Lot? It appears to be the wealth and the status that were his in Sodom. He likes the prosperity, even though it appears that the darkness is wearing him down. Now, I I know nobody in this room has ever been where Lot was like this text, but maybe there's been a time in your life when you know, you know, you knew the Lord, but there was compromise and you were torn and it was wearing you out to try to live a double life. And, and that's really what was happening with Lot. In fact, we know that Lot was different because when the men of the city say, this foreigner has come to live among us, they had elevated Lot to a very high position in town. That's why he was sitting at the city gate as one of the leaders, one of the elders of the city. He didn't just walk in one day and say, I'm gonna be an elder and I'm gonna sit at the city gate. The people of the city made him that. So they saw him and they respected a lot of what they saw. And yet at the same time, they were resentful in their hearts because he did not participate in their lifestyle and they resented it. And their resentment came to a boil when Lot dared to judge them. So let's continue on. Lot offers resistance. He goes outside, closes the door behind him, stands in the way, and he makes a moral judgment. Don't do this wicked thing. Uh Uh-oh. The 
men of the town have just heard Lot pronounce a, a moral evaluation of their life. And they do not like it at all. Now, surely we recognize how 2018-ish that is. I mean, really today, becoming increasingly so, it, it appears that in the eyes of the, of the world, you can do almost anything and be forgiven except being judgmental. They call it judgmental. That's unforgivable. You, you can't. You can do almost anything you want. The world will say, well, you know, we'll, we'll forgive you. They won't forgive you for being judgmental. And so they immediately hear those words and they do not respond well at all to hearing what Lot says. He sets himself up as a judge, they said, over us. He makes a moral judgment. But then he shocks us with his craven proposal in verse 8 of offering his daughters. Now, how wicked is that? It's very wicked. He places the sanctity of the hospitality of protecting these two men above the sanctity of his own family. Now, here's what I'm thinking, and I'm not trying to soft pedal what Lot did. I would like to think that there is not a father in this room who could ever have those words come out of your mouth that came out of Lot's mouth. But maybe Lot was counting on his daughters not being harmed. Maybe. Why would that happen? Well, maybe he's thinking, well, there are two husbands to be right outside the door. And maybe the men of Sodom will respect these two men and not hurt them. Or, or maybe they will turn and stand and say, don't you dare touch our future wives. I can't. That's not in the text. So I can't say that that's what Lot was thinking. I can only hope maybe that's what he was thinking. Because even in, in the ancient world, ancient law codes, engagement to be married was considered to be as sacrosanct as marriage itself. Therefore, it would have been a violation of, of all the laws of the Middle East for even among pagans for these men to assault the daughters of, of Lot who were engaged. And of course, by law, they could have been put to death, but then that wouldn't have happened because this is Sodom. So I don't, I, I want to try to help Lot out here, I guess, but I, you know, how could a father say what he said with his own daughters standing behind him in the door listening to what he said? I, I just can't. I can't imagine. Can you imagine the dagger that went into their hearts hearing their father say that? Um, well, the crowd is contemptuous. Lot had dared to judge them. And uh, they don't like Lot. They had been perhaps a bit resentful of him anyway, but they had elevated him to a position of leadership. But he doesn't run with us. He doesn't run around with us. He doesn't socialize with us in some of the things that we do. And so maybe in the back of their minds, there was this resentment and now it, it blows up because he's judgmental. Well, Lot could not possibly have held off the crowd. There's, there's no way he could have done that. 
So we have an angelic deliverance and it's blindness. This is now a lot said, boy, these aren't just two normal guys who come to visit me. These are visitors from God himself. There, there's blindness. But if this whole passage isn't shocking enough, what happens then is just even more shocking. All of these men have now been struck blind. And you would think they would back up and like rub their eyes and say, oh my goodness, are we, is this a permanent condition? What, what's happened to us? But the text says they keep pressing against the door, such as their perversion, even in blindness, they are still pressing against the door in hopes of violating the angelic visitors. This is a totally debauched, sick situation, sickness of sin. So in verses 12 through 13, there, there's the warning from the angels to get out of town because God going to use us to destroy this place. If you got any relatives, you better get them. Well, the daughters are with him, his wife is with him, but the sons-in-law are outside. Lot knows they're there because he goes back outside. And I mean, like, do you really want these guys to marry your daughters? I mean, what in the world? But he goes back outside and, and he says to his supposed future son-in-laws, God's going to destroy this place. Come on, we got to get out of here. And they refuse it, refuse it and, and believe Lot's joking. Now, here's a little insight into Lot's compromise. His future son-in-laws don't respect him. They're already pressing up against the door. And when, they, when Lot says, let's get out of town, they think he's joking. So they don't pay any attention to their potential future father-in-law. And because of that, they're, they're going to die. Right? Evidently, they didn't believe that, but they're, they're, they're about to die. So let, let's pick back up. Um, let's see, verse 15, that's where we left off. So it's almost daylight. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, what? When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand in the hands of his wife, the hands of his wife. They had to get both her hands. And of his two daughters. And led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as he brought them, uh, they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives, don't look back, and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains, or you'll be swept away. Um, so the angels have grabbed the hand of Hands of Lot, Mrs. Lot, the daughters, let's go, sun's rising, destruction's coming. This is an act of mercy on Lot and his family. But I also want to remind you of something else. This action on the part of the angels is a picture of grace that came as a result of the faithful prayers of a man called Abraham. So I want to say to you, if you have 
family or friends or whoever that you have been praying for, don't stop. Even if you've been praying for years, don't stop praying for that loved one or those loved ones. Because God spared Lot and his family in answer to the prayers of a faithful man called Abraham. Now, let's go on because this next part's just amazing. Lot said to them, I keep reading, I'm like, you're kidding me. But I'm sure there have been times when God's looked at me and said, what? Well, God doesn't do that, but you know, I'm thinking, I'm trying to project on him human feelings, but he's probably said, what are you doing? So, okay, Lot said to them, no, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes and you've shown great kindness to me in sparing my life, I should say so, but I can't flee the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll live. God's just said, I'm going to spare you. And Lot says, don't send us to the mountains. Look, there's a little town over here, near enough to run to, and it's it's small. Let me flee to it. It's very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. Now, here's, I'm surprised. I'm surprised God said yes, but he did. God said, very well, I will grant this request Two, I will not overthrow the town you speak of, Zoar, which means a little town, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. That's why the town is called Zoar, which means small. So Lot makes a surprising request, and surprisingly, God answers in the affirmative, and Zoar is where he goes. Some have said Zoar was a mini, M-I-N-I, a mini Sodom. I, I, I don't know. Nearby, um, and they, it was about to be destroyed too, I'm guessing. Yep, yeah, may have been. Well, look, look at verse 23. And uh, we, we want to finish this section for sure. By the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land, and the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. God had said, the angels said, don't look back, don't delay, don't look back. Mrs. Lot's heart was torn. Her heart was still in Sodom. And she looks back and is judged by God. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord on the high ground so he could see all the way to Sodom. He looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land of the plain, and he saw dense smoke rising from the land like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham, and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. So there's your substantiation for God sparing Lot because of the prayers of faithful 
Abraham. God does it. He does the destruction from God in heaven, it says. It's horrible and total. Um, Lot's wife looks back, her stuff, leaving it all behind. And it must have been calling to her. By the way, um, Betty Anderson's not here today. She just finished Josephus. She would have been interested in this. Josephus, who wrote in the first century, great historian. We know a lot about the first century because of Josephus. Josephus claimed to have seen the pillar that is Lot's wife in his day. Uh, there's a place now where you go with tourists and they'll say, there's Lot's wife. Well, they, they're, it's not. <laughs> it does look like a woman. And it is a pillar of salt, but it's about 20 feet high, and she wasn't that big. Uh, but if Josephus, I mean, maybe he did. What I know is whether anybody's ever seen it since then or not, it happened. And she turned her pillar of salt. And the sunrise brought judgment on Sodom and salvation to Lot and his daughters. Now, uh, we're not through with Mr. Lot yet, so let's, let's go to verse 30. And this becomes, again, unbelievable. Lot and his two daughters left Zoar and settled in the mountains, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. Why? He saw Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed, thought Zoar's next. Maybe. Um, God said, go there and you'll be safe. So he leaves because he's afraid. You've seen a pattern in Lot's decision making, a pattern of lack of faith in God, lack of belief in God keeping his word. So he and his two daughters lived in a cave. And there are many to choose from in in the mountains near the Dead Sea. And so he took his daughters in and they lived in a cave. A pretty abysmal place to live. Um, one day, the older daughter said to the younger, now, now here is, um, when I talk about the toll taken upon the family from having lived in Sodom, we saw it in this light. She's being rescued by the hand of God himself. And she looks back and God judges. The two future sons-in-law refused to listen, thought Lot was joking and stayed behind and met their demise. So just to complete the circle, now we're going to see the toll taken on Lot's daughters. The older daughter says to the younger, our father is old and there's no man around here to give us children. Apparently they're thinking we're going to be in this cave forever. As is the custom over all the earth. So what, look at the language. They are justifying what they are about to do. Now... Have you ever, I know you've never done this, but have you ever justified sin 
in advance for whatever reason. Well, I'm sure it'll be okay with God this one time. I mean, you know, whatever. But they're trying to justify what they're about to do because they know it is wrong. So our dad's old. There are no men around here. It looks like we're, going, we're never going to get married. We're never going to have children. And after all, it's the custom all over the earth that, that women get married and husbands will provide and get, you know, protect us and give us children and blah, blah, blah. So verse 32, let's get our father to drink wine and then sleep with him and preserve our family line through our father. So, you know, about this point, you're probably wishing you had not eaten lunch. But uh, verse 33, that night they got their father to drink wine. And I would say in excess. And the older daughter went in and slept with him. He was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. He's not unconscious, but he is drunk. The next day, the older daughter said to the younger, last night I slept with my father. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight. You go in and sleep with him so we can preserve our family line through our father. So they got their father to drink wine that night also, and the younger daughter went in and slept with him. And again, he was not aware of it when she lay down or when she got up. So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son, and she named him Moab. You ever heard that name before? He is the father of the Moabites of today. Dandy people, those Moabites. The younger daughter also had a son, and she named him Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites of today. So that ends the chapter. Now let me say a few words, and then next week we'll, we'll get to the oh no, not again. Um, wow, I can't finish this. I realize I've held you over time. Let me see just a couple of words. Um, it is possible to be distressed by the world while hanging on to it for dear life. That's why. He's distressed by what he sees, but he's holding on for dear life. Revolted by Sodom, but with Sodom firmly in his soul. And what was true of Lot was even more true of his wife, his daughters, and even of his potential sons-in-law. Um, it is, it is perplexing and distressing to read all of this about Lot and yet know he was a righteous man. So all, all I want to say is I'm not going to, I've judged Lot enough. We'll move on. Uh, except we got to finish those verses next week. <laughs> but what I am reminded of is the grace of God. I am so thankful. And the older I get, the more thankful I am for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, we thank you. Uh, I pray that we'll ponder on what we've read today. And that you will use it to instruct us and guide us in the way we should go. And we look forward to coming back next week and picking up where we left off in the study of your precious word. 
Bless each one here today. Bless their families. Keep us safe in the palm of your hand. Keep us strong and healthy. And most of all, may we keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, in whose name we pray. Amen. God bless you. See you next time.